Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. I'm Anton Bushner and today I'm sitting down with Emma Terry, Chief Marketing Officer or CMO for Tourism Tasmania. Welcome, Emma. Hi, Anton. Thank you for having me along. Welcome. Well, you're down in Tasmania. What's it like today? Is it uh, cold, warm, beautiful? It's a mild day, typical kind of autumn day here in Tassie. We met, I suppose, just after COVID, sort of mid to late last year, 2020. Um, and it was all around, I guess, coming out of, of COVID marketers. Obviously, your borders had shut down, the borders had shut down. And from a tourism perspective, uh, like most businesses, lots of things had shut down. And you were just sort of coming out of that uh, and looking at marketing and the business and, and where it was all going. So I'd love to hear your thoughts today around uh, what happened for Tourism Tasmania, what you learned, and, and how you're evolving and coming out of it now in 2021. How does that sound? Sounds good, Anton. Before we jump into it, sorry, the um, Tourism Tasmania, of course, I know it's a, it's a tourism body, but I guess many listeners may not know what actually does the tourism body do. So what, what's Tourism Tasmania responsible for? Yeah, uh, well, I guess each um, state tourism body may have a slightly different kind of breadth. So some state tourism bodies have industry development and support. Um, some have events, business events sort of within their remit. Um, for Tourism Tasmania, our um, core role is to demand um, to do demand generation for Tasmania, so to encourage um, visitation. Um, and I guess we sort of talk about our purpose as being um, to connect travellers emotionally and culturally with our island, drive visitation and lead a sustainable visitor economy that delivers social, environmental and economic value to all Tasmanians. Mm-hmm. And um, here in Tasmania, we've got um, what we call, we, we refer to it as the visitor economy. Um, it was one of the first sort of frameworks established in the country to kind of think about tourism holistically and the impacts that it does have and how all different parts of government um, and industry can kind of work together collectively to sort of drive greater value for, for, for the state, for Tasmania in this sense. So um, Tourism Tasmania plays uh, a really key leadership role in, in that, in delivering on that strategy um, that gets deli- delivered, obviously, with, um, between government and, and industry. Um, and we also have a role around um, access to the state, being an island. Um, you know, access is really important. Think about it as you kind of, you know, the distribution channel in a sense for for, for t- in the within a tourism context, um, so that's obviously air access as well as sea access. That also extends to infrastructure. So, from a tourism Tasmania perspective, is more around um, obviously visitation access, um, which supports not only visitors coming to the state, but obviously Tasmanians being able to have you know more flights and stuff to get out of the state um, as well. And then obviously the the marketing piece is really critical as well. So it's all about um, activating and um, and leading the Tasmanian a tourism brand and how Tasmania is kind of seen um, across Australia and, and internationally as well and delivering and developing all of those marketing programs associated with that. Mm. And I, a couple of weeks ago, I remember the spirit of Tasmania was facing 16-metre seas or something, wasn't it, in terms of uh, coming across the crossing? Yeah, no, they're, they're well-built ships and everyone's super safe on them, of course. But, um, yes, no, the, the Bass Strait can be a bit interesting sometimes. I've been across there and I've been down to Tasmania a few times. I love it. Absolutely love it. So yeah, It's actually quite a good experience being on the boat. It's a different way to kind of start your holiday. 
almost like you leave behind, you know, the, the work or whatever you've been doing. You come to this almost emerald isle. It's really, really stunning. Yeah. I think there's something yeah. about travelling over ocean as well, isn't there? Even as a Tasmanian kind of going to one of the islands like King Island or Flinders Island, there is that, you know, the idea of being over ocean and then kind of feeling like you're in a completely different space. And were you born and bred Tasmanian? I am Tasmanian, yes, um, yes. What appeared about the role then? You, you appealed, you joined about four years ago as CMO, uh, maybe four and a half years ago now. Yeah, almost um, four, not quite four. Almost four. What appealed to you about taking over the reins there? Yeah, uh, I guess a couple of things. I mean, being Tasmanian and a marketer, um, and I've been super lucky to, um, I guess, be able to grow my skills and career within Tasmania. I mean, overseas for a little bit as people tend to do but the bulk of my um, career has been in Tasmania Um, and I've always marketed the state in different ways either itself um, in terms of um, you know whether or not it's renewable energies or or exporting so always Tasmania itself or its products and services and so being able to I guess um, have a broader impact in terms of the work that we do at Tourism Tasmania, which does connect into a whole range of industries, not just, I mean, for tourism itself, yes, it's about holidaying, but when, you, when you're when you holidaying, you're um, experiencing the natural environment, you're experiencing food and beverage and, and makers and arts and culture and all the rest of it. So um, it's a really super exciting opportunity to make all those connection points and drive greater value for Tasmania and, and position it as how I sort of think it should be positioned um, as well in terms of um, obviously we're such a special place down here, so being able to kind of share that with um, with like-minded people elsewhere as well is really important. So that's probably what, um, you know, excited me the most. See, Tourism Tasmania has a really great representation um, reputation as well in terms of um, the creative work that it does and the marketing work, you know, we're not, a, not afraid to kind of embrace who we are um, mm. as a sort of state and represent that in our work. So, I mean, that's pretty exciting both as a marketer but also as a Tasmanian. I noticed for those that haven't hadn't seen before, but uh, in 2019 you launched the Come Down for Air campaign, um, which if you haven't seen it, anyone listening, please Google around and find the, uh, find the ads. They're really beautiful from my perspective, uh, slow down yeah. type ads or, or content that really engages me to, come down for air and slow down and come to that cool, crisp, uh, fresh environment. How did you get to that positioning? Can you share a little bit about that campaign, that positioning? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, Tasmania's, Tasmania's always been really well known for its kind of clean, green image um, and its beautiful natural environment and um, and we are super lucky in that, in that space. And it's kind of grown over the last sort of 10 years or so in terms of our arts and culture scene, um, you know, distilleries, food, providornis, all of those pieces. Um, and so, you know, we kind of wanted to pull that together and that was kind of something that was behind the scenery, which was quite a, a um, unique kind of view and campaign and quite a category-disrupting piece as well. So, so we were still when I stepped into the role, we still had that kind of different iterations of that in market. So, you know, that was a really brilliant piece of work as well. It got behind the place and showed you the people. So how do you, where do you take it from there? And I guess the thing was, how do you combine both of those things? So the beautiful natural environment and all these other elements of Tasmania that is about having a great um, experience and connecting into people and to place as well and to produce. So we had been doing some work um, with brand Tasmania. So Tasmania is very lucky to have an authority set up around the Tasmanian brand. Um, and they'd been doing a whole heap of work around interviewing Tasmanians across 
uh, from different, you know, different areas of Tasmania, different backgrounds, et cetera, um, around what Tasmania really means to them and really sort of getting under the surface of all of that. In parallel to that, we um, sort of were working in the tourism space um, and, and having that narrative. And so we're really lucky to be able to go, okay, the tourism narrative around how um, Tasmania is, I guess, communicated to visitors actually links into the place brand. It's just a representation mm. of that. And, in fact, the brand Tasmania stuff, the, lo- the like the font, the logo, is all, we're all the same, which is really a good outcome because it's very hard to some, sometimes separate the two, right? It's all part mm. of the experience. Um, so we, we use that. We also had done some segmentation around understanding what customers really need and come down for areas of the companies, I guess the creative combination of who we really, truly are, that what customers really, really need um, and what Tasmania can deliver that's distinct from elsewhere. So, yes, it's about um, literal air, the space, et cetera, that Tasmania gives you. I mean, literally when you step off the plane, um, you know, there's no like walkways or anything. It is onto the tarmac and you do yeah, get... Yeah. You know, you get that kind of sense of the, the fresh air when I mean, we have some of the cleanest air in the world from the roaring 40s. So all of that is very true. And it's more than that. It's it's, it's headspace. It's connection. It's, you know, it doesn't have to be um, passive. It, it's it's that air to just be yourself, to be more human, to to kind of, you know, reconnect with all of those things that, you know, in modern life we, we're kind of, you know, losing touch with. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really the sort of centre of all of that. Absolutely. When we launched it, it was about landing the feeling, hence the really paired back, you know, deconstructed montages um, in a sense and just focusing on those really key moments and the feeling it gives you and getting across that really unique Tasmanian point of view. Um, and with our late, I guess our latest iteration over the Christmas period, that was really about showing that depth and breadth of experience and trying to, you know, exploring the other parts of air. It's not just about relaxation it's actually about reconnection and about whatever air needs to look like for you really i think that that plays as a bit of a point of differentiation you see a lot of travel tourism advertising or communication it's very busy and lots of stuff chucked in and you can do this and you can do that it almost feels quite functional but i think what you're describing is this real human emotionally centered uh, approach to promoting tasmania yeah, yeah. I mean, and we've got like we've got our winter program coming up, and um, and it it's got a different energy to it um, because interestingly, um, over you know we do winter is a, a season that Australians tend to try to avoid or endure, and and we you know we're a summer biased country, um, but we're missing out on some great experiences, on some like great human experience, some different sensory things. You've got that beautiful crisp air that does hit your lungs, but we have some amazing events over this period and you can get to, you know, experience things that you, you can't. Like we definitely have those those seasons. So that's going to have a bit of a different energy. It'll be under come down for air, but a, a different kind of representation um, of that and bring a little bit more activeness um, mm-hmm. um, to what we're, yeah to what the Tasmanian proposition is. All right. Well, I, I think from my perspective, you know, Sydney cider, um, I've always known of Tasmania. I've been there a couple of times, as I said. Um, but it really is on the radar now. I'd say eight out of 10 people I'm talking to in and around my area where I live, you say, where are you going next? Oh, we're going down to Tasmania, going down to Tasmania. Seems to have a really um, lovely connection. Almost, I'd probably say a little bit in the in the New Zealand uh, space and, you know, their campaign, as you know, the 100% pure. Um, but why travel to New Zealand when you got it on our doorstep? And it's, it's Australia, but it's another part of Australia we haven't explored maybe. Yeah, it's in, the New Zealand connection is interesting, isn't it? Because like today we have our um, 
first flight coming in from New Zealand, first flight in 20, 20 years, international flight, um, which is pretty amazing considering the of the world. Yeah, yeah. And you're thinking, okay, well, why would New Zealanders come to Tasmania? Is it not kind of similar? Um, and, look, there are definitely some similarities. They have amazing natural beauty as to we down here. They've got their own kind of quirky point of view in life. You know, we're both islands off a big island that, you know. The, so how do you um, relate to them? How do you entice them over? Well, that's kind of, well, we've got that kind of um, those foundational pieces, which I think Tasmanians would love and, and New Zealanders would, would love of Tasmania. Um, that's kind of where it ends. Like we've got a different history and heritage um, here, a different past, a different story, different wildlife, um, a different kind, a slightly different point of view on the world. Um, that's kind of been forged and shaped by all that. Different produce, um, different arts and culture scenes. So there's plenty for New Zealanders um, to discover. And um, yeah, I guess what sets us kind of yes, we're Australia, we're part of Australia, absolutely, but a kind of different experience within the Australian context as well. Mm. And are you testing or you're looking at all the, I guess, the media mix or your channel mix um, post COVID? Has that changed your thinking? in the type of advertising or the type of channels you're using? Uh, um, absolutely. I guess you kind of look at the channels based on what you're trying to achieve. And um, one of the things that it's definitely um, what we've had to look at over, over that whole period was um, what's the right channel to get, like what are the, what are we, how are we trying to engage with our customers, I guess. And certainly during lockdown, um, you know, you can't exactly say come down for air when orders are, um, are closed um, and you've got to be really careful around that messaging for people as well. But people still want to kind of engage and dream about all of that as well. So, you know, social channels became much more important over that period of time. And, you know, we wanted to do something that was about kind of giving back um, as well. So we um, launched a series of, of sort of moments of calm, both in Australia and kind of in, and in New Zealand and, um, and in the rest of the international markets that we sort of, we target um, and that was really really well received because people were locked down stuck in houses a lot of the time and so actually being able to do a, a slow walk through you know with a waterfall and those type of things actually sort of gave back a little bit and allowed us to kind of reinforce the brand we also did it like certainly our flexibility was really has been really critical changing um you know hot spots and you know border closures in st different states etc lockdowns mm. um you know, having to sort of um, make sure you're adjusting accordingly. I guess two things for us as a, I guess, a government organisation as well. One is that we're sort of supporting, we're not undermining the government advice of the day and that we're actually in, in line with that, but also understanding where customers are at and wanting to be really sensitive to, to their needs and, and where, what they're experiencing at the time as well. So we did a media first. Um, actually, it's just that products just launched more, more broadly with um, our um, media agency initiative and JC Deco, which was around programmatic out of home. Um, which was, um, you know, great for us in the sense of it's measurable. It allowed us to um, be able to kind of geofence um, things, change up creative. We need to be really flexible around it as well. So um, that's been that was really a successful part of our our campaign when we're back out in market and a media. Um, Is that testing in certain states on the mainland or. Yes. Um, yeah. We could. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Most of our obviously we're in most of the um, major major states of Australia and, yeah, being able to absolutely um, drill down to not even state-based, city-based, but, you know, kind of postcodes within those cities as well. So, um, yeah, that, I think that, that that technology has been really, really useful and um, and timely as well in that sense. You talk about the shutdown, the close-downs. I just want to take us back a minute just for the, for the listeners mm -hmm. because 
I think we're all a little bit sick of the word, maybe COVID, but <laughs> the learnings are interesting. If we, if we go back to that period, tourism stopped. We understand that, borders, borders shut. As a CMO, what were you faced with? What were the decisions that you were faced with in terms of marketing? Yeah, look, um, yeah, what a kind of crazy period, right? I guess, you know, as CMO, you've got, um, you know, you've got your, is it kind of, you're kind of considering a range of things, aren't you? It's, it's you know, the team, the team and how are they doing and how you transition the actual team itself. You've got obviously your customers and where are they at and what that's looking like. In, in our case, our industry, which were absolutely, you know, in crisis, their, their revenue streams, and I know this happened across a range of ind industries, tourism was, you know, particularly hard um, hard hit as well and probably for a longer and more bumpy period of time. Um, so they're in crisis, you know, we've got to get people off the island, we've got to kind of, you know, manage all of those communications pieces, be absolutely in step with, like, public health, health advice, make sure our industry um, know what they can and can't do um, over that period of time. So, yeah, lots of things in the mix. Obviously, we had campaign work planned, um, which we had to um, pause. Yeah. And stop. So there's obviously a lot of work with your agencies as well um, mm -hmm. over that period of time. So it's really about kind of, yeah, and I guess no one's really been through like anything like that in our living memory and history right. to kind of draw upon you from a precedent. And from a tourism perspective, I mean, we um, and I know it goes beyond tourism, but so we had the bushfires um, yes. you know, earlier in that year. And so while we didn't have any um, major bushfires here in Tasmania, the flow and effects from domestic travel and also international as well, it was like a you know, really challenging start to the year as well. So you're kind of coming off the back of that and going kind of <laughs> into that sort of, you know, how we're adjusting accordingly and then going into, into, into COVID. So that's um yeah that was obviously pretty pretty tricky um I guess from a you know then, then it's like okay take stock what are we going to do with our program what can we do with our program is it even should we be marketing should we not be marketing you know what do you do in this situation we, we've all seen the research um with brands that kind of go dark don't recover as well what's the what's the right balance of all of those pieces so um yeah you're kind of considering all of, all of that um but really the the, the focus was um on getting the team right, working from home and just setting that up, making sure they've got the right support. Lots of people, many of our team members had family, obviously, living um, interstate, overseas, even, you know, very close loved ones. Um, so, you know, there's obviously that all that human piece that everyone had had gone through and that, that challenge, the challenge of change and, and the rest of it. And then from a program perspective, yes, the old pivot, um, you know, crisis communications was creating kind of the critical thing up front, but then it kind of we got into the point of, okay, well, what do we think this is going to look like? What are our assumptions? What, how can we plan accordingly? Did lots of scenario planning. I'm sure everyone has done that. Um, I planned everything apart from, you know, a lockdown that would last for, you know, several years, in which case if that's the case, you know, you obviously just, that would change the game completely. So that was quite, that was quite good because when we actually started to have um, borders opening and closing, which we did remember back in sort of October last year, it was all still very changeable. It allowed us to be able to go, okay, what's our decision making here? Is it a change out of creative? Is it actually a pause of activity? What does this look like? And the first couple of decisions were a little clunky, but then you kind of start getting into a rhythm um, around how you adjust the program. I think, you know, we probably reworked our media spend and campaigns and our initiative were, have been amazing, supportive and support for us over this period of time and our, our, uh, our, our team, um, you know, and did a whole lot of work that we probably didn't need to, to do. Like we sort of learned how to, okay, buy media based on particular areas and stuff rather than full states and, 
and sort of break that down a lot more. So um, there was definitely some good learnings um, that we collectively had together um, in that as well. So the teams, I mean, they had to be pretty resilient. That sounds like, like most other marketing departments, things were thrown in the air. Teams had to muck in and do things they've probably never done before. Um, is that right within your team? It was really just people rallying together to get things yeah, done? Pre- pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good opportunity, isn't it, to kind of break some of that muscle memory and have to do mm. things in a different way. And, and I think as we come into it, like things normalising a little bit more, whatever that new normal looks like that everyone's talking about, um, I think it'll be how do you not fall back into muscle memory? Yes. Um, but we can talk about that a little, a little, a little bit later. Um, yeah, so it definitely the, the mucking, mucking in thing was um, really important. Um, everyone, you know, just delivering the program. I guess what I'm kind of really, what I'm kind of most proud about, I guess you could say, over that period of time was we just didn't do knee-jerk things for the sake of it. Like it wasn't, we weren't panicked um, and just scrambling in that sense. It was like considering we had borders locked down for a while, you think oh, that would be heaps of space, but it was actually we've worked really hard um, over the last um, you know 12, 12 or so months, and that was really based on we knew our industry was hurting. We want to be able to be ready for when borders open again. So all of our programs have been quite strategic. They've got a longer term piece. We've been really true to our brand um, over that period of time. Um, we've launched you know self drive touring, which we've been working on for a couple of years obviously adjust, you know, um, the, the, the way we take it to market based on the environment. Um, but the st- strategy piece was still solid. Um, even our unordinary adventures, which includes like fly fishing and mountain biking and walking and things, um, all of and golf, we've been able to sort of deliver on all of those commitments to our industry and those strategies and programs that we've had in train for a little while. So I feel like they've all been really solid foundations for us um, rather than just, oh, my gosh, we're running from one campaign to the next, just trying a whole heap of stuff yeah. um, and, and not kind of staying true in quarter what our kind of more medium-term objectives are in our brand. Mm. Yeah, and I think, as you said earlier, some of those value pieces you did during COVID, uh, which were just nice visuals or whatever it may have been, as you said, just, again, very true to your brand, very true to the strategy and direction yeah, you were well, giving. We kind of try to have it as our kind of guiding light, yeah. And it's really easy because there's lots of pressure from everyone as well. I mean, everyone's, you know, like it's business survival really, isn't it, over that period. So kind of being able to adjust and, you know, obviously every every state I think been doing intrastate campaigns as well. So we haven't really been talking to Tasmanians in the past, at least recently, unless there's a sort of, you know, a crisis like fires or flood or something like that. Um, so this was our first kind of real partnership with our regional tourism organisations to do something for Tasmanians, which was an absolute joy. It was like a quick turnaround and a lot of pressure, but um, being able to work with Brand Tads and um, develop up with a, a local agency, the 20, um, and make yourself at home, which was all about taking tapping into that Tasmanian psyche and, um, and taking that pride that Tasmanians have in their state and then being able to translate that into making them feel confident and comfortable to get out and about when we're, things were just opening up again and, like, state borders were closed, but you were able to travel around the state. So that was in kind of June, July last year. So getting that balance right between that level of confidence, pride, comfort, and kind of getting people moving around the state. And Tasmania has really responded. We had our best, um, I'm sure most states would have had achieved this as well, but had our best um, year ever of Tasmanians enjoying the state. The state, Fantastic. I mean, I think you have, what is it, around about 1.5 million domestic travellers coming from outside the state. So I guess you're just shifting audiences, as you said, focusing more on the uh, Tasmanians. 
Yeah, about 1.3. Um, 1.5 was kind of the tie, but 1.3, but that included international as well. So about 1.1 is kind of domestic. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but Tasmanians have always been quite good at travelling around. Um, you know, they do quite well in terms of number of, you know, trips they take within the state, but certainly that's definitely obviously increased um, over COVID. So do you think there's a... You've got such a great product, as you've been talking about, and you've just skipped over a couple of words there. I'll put, I'll put you back on. Un, unordinary adventures, self-drive holidays. So you've got a great product. Do you think it's about just telling about that story or is it more around creating these other uh, packages or other pieces to the story? Good question. That's probably the, you know, every good marketer should be asking themselves that, isn't it? Because it's like, where do you put energy and effort? I, I, don't think, I don't think it's one or the other. Other. I mean, I think there's a piece around destination. Tassie is really interesting. Um, we have good, um, reasonable awareness of the state. I think people kind of are familiar but not familiar with Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be a little tricky to plan. So we definitely think there's some barriers there. I mean, we, we, we remain on people's bucket lists for whatever reason that is. Um, we're only an hour and a half flight from Sydney. You know, maybe, you know, this, you know, flight connectivity could be part of it, although that's obviously dramatically improved over recent years. Um, and, you know, obviously we have some seasonality, but it's, you know, it's a kind of wintry holiday. It's not a, a hard winter holiday. Like it's still fairly mild here in the, in the scheme of things. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely some, um, you know, I guess some kind of some definitely some barriers there that make Tasmania just that little bit harder to kind of make a choice to, to go to. But um, once people come here, obviously, um, you know, they really, really love it, um, which is great. So, yeah, and, and I think, you know, travel, probably the reasons for travelling kind of change over time as well. Much more people are pursuing kind of more their passion points yes. um, again these days as well. So Unordinary Adventures are you know, like looking at where we've got those amazing experiences that stand up in, you know, in an international environment. So, you know, amazing walking, walking trails here, um, really iconic walks, um, you know, our golf courses are, you know, world-class, some of the, you know, some of the best in the, in the world. And they're kind of designed in a way that, and all of our experiences kind of work around and with nature rather than flattening nature to kind of put a golf course on, I mean, they're like they're kind of more the Scottish links golf course and stuff. So it's all about building that, you know, building it within that sort of place as well. So yeah, that's a friend of mine uh, lost a lot of balls around Barn Bugle uh, yeah. two days ago. Yeah, yeah. We should the King Island courses are pretty um pretty hard, yeah, <laughs> challenging. So if you're up for it, then that's that's quite a good experience. Yeah. So that's our own adventures and self-drive touring. I mean, Tasmania's always been a a really popular self-drive touring. It's and, you know, the government have been working on, we've been working on for a few years now with industry as well, um, some new um, great kind of drive journeys. Mm. Um, which we kind of really fast-tracked the development of those. They were due to, the last one was due to kind of launch in June this year. We launched them all in September to the Tasmanians to kind of road test them first and then out into the um, for, um, interstate market in sort of February. So, yeah, we kind of wanted to kind of bring that forward a bit and give people that opportunity. Well, the word's subtly getting out there because the... People I'm talking to who are good campers and got uh, from whether it's Camplify or their own campers, uh, there's about eight or ten people I've heard over the last couple of weeks who've gone on drive holidays or about to go on drive holidays down to Tassie. So uh, it's working. I, I think I'm the next one. I'm going to get my camper off Camplify, borrow someone's camper van, and come on down. Yeah, cool. Good on you. Well, plenty to see down here. I mean, we're a compact island, so you yep. can um, get.
get a mountain and, and a sea experience within 20 minutes of each other, which is pretty amazing. Mm. Hobart to Launceston is only, is what, an hour and a half or? About two and, oh, two and a quarter. I think, um, yeah, well, we're compact. I, I definitely think, um, like, it's not like it's always straight highways either, so it can take a little bit longer than people anticipate to get around um, Tassie, but the experience that you have around the landscape and stuff as you do that is pretty amazing. So I'm wondering then, talking about all this, making me want to travel, hopefully our listeners are also going, wow, I've got to book a trip straight away. <laughs> but I'm wondering what success is like for you. So what, what are you doing as a team? Or what's your eye looking forward 12 months or 24 months? What's success look like? Yeah, good good question. And, and particularly in this kind of environment and context, isn't it? Um, too far out to think like that? or I don't know. I think you always got an aspiration into the future and some things are changeable around that and some things aren't. I think over this period of time, everyone, I think from a personal perspective, but also work, you kind of, it makes you kind of stop and, and just have it reflect, doesn't it? Like to kind of reflect on how things are going and what's really, truly valuable and what's not. We're here to support our industry. We're here to, you know, be able to tell the story of um, what a Tasmanian tourism experience would look like and, and you know, connect people within that let them have that you know that cultural experience that um that connection through to tasmania so that's obviously continually important we need our industry to be here to be able to service that so recovery for them around um you know visitors come visitation and, and spend and that's sort of you know being able to sort of sustain that visitor economy is a really critical one um for us to sort of get back to those sort of where we were 2019 before covid and start start again to kind of you know, I guess kind of grow that. Um, and then I, I guess, from, yeah, the, the team's perspective is how do we keep delivering the right message that is Tasmania? Like how do we be really true to that? How do we understand where our, it's the classic stuff, but I think maybe the, you become a bit more focused. I think it becomes those connection points are even more important. The um, ability to kind of um, collaborate and, and, and have that kind of human connection is even more amplified um, as, as we go forward. So I should say that we're, you know, there's a, after a big disruption, there's always, you know, I think a big step up in a sense in terms of how you might want to about, go about doing things. And for our team, um, you know, we're embarking on our digital transformation. So that's really going to kind of change the way we, we work. Um, and we've got to get the balance between that and obviously that human connection piece and um, as well and, and, and make sure that we're still doing really, great work that makes people feel something and has the Tasmanian story. So, yeah. So what does success look like? I guess it's, yeah, recovering demand, visitation for our industry and pushing ourselves further to do great work. I think we've done great work, but I feel like we've got, we have, we're only scratching the surface of where we could take this to, where we could take Come Down for Air, um, about setting the team up to be able to do their best work as well. and it shouldn't look like it did before. It feels like to me listening to that that it's, it's given you a real focal point to say, uh, obviously international, uh, take New Zealand out of the discussion for a minute, but people aren't travelling overseas as much. So there's a real focus now on domestic travel, interstate travel, which yeah. maybe for you has given a real focus and a focal point to the team as to what to prioritise, what to focus on. And as you said, look at some of the bigger bets and, and just get those done really well, but keep pushing the, the boundaries. Absolutely. I think you just want to do meaningful work, don't you? Like mm. you want it to 
you want it to have a real impact and be true as well. And I think that's probably where it's we're really focused, starting to really focus in on. I think we can all get really caught up in the shiny things and the busyness of comms, more content, put more content out, do this comms stuff, but actually being able to step back from all of that and reflect on that and go, what's really important here and what's going to make a difference is the challenge and how do you kind of keep that space open and not get back into the to the busyness or the muscle memory of all of that. So How do you handle that? That's a very good point there. How do you handle that? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it's about, well, I think it's about re, a reset, isn't it? Like, I don't know, like for, for our team, for me, it's about how we go about setting the objectives. Like what's our strategy? What are our objectives? What are we getting the team to focus in on? How do we do our program planning? How do you plan it in a smart way that allows space for creativity, curate, you know, curating different ideas, um, planning well in advance, et cetera. Um, it's been a really, and I think most marketers will say it's been a really busy period of time, like just because of the change and the effort and stuff it takes. Um, so how do you kind of, yeah, reset all of that and um, and focus in on the right on the right areas and take those learnings. I think as things sort of settle and and and, and those new kind of that new norm kind of um, you know start setting in a little bit more, then you find that kind of different rhythm. But I think it's also a good um, wake up call for everyone, isn't it, as well in terms of that things are disruptive and you do have to adapt and you kind of can't just sit and forget. You're gonna gotta get that balance between you know, um, focus on what you're doing and the learnings and stuff and pushing forward, but not just doing that for the sake of it either. You know, like you've got to get that balance, right? the tension point between that. Yeah. Sounds like you've got a lot of exciting things on your plate, which is uh, which is great to, great to hear. Uh, awesome to, to have a chat, Emma. Thanks so much for your time. I think you've got a, uh, got a very exciting 12 months ahead of you. So uh, I'll hopefully get down there in the next uh, couple of months if I can. Great. Well, welcome anytime. And um, enjoy, enjoy Tassie. It's beautiful coming into the winter months as well. So Thanks again, Emma. Before we go, I've got one more question before we run out of time. I've heard rumours of a bridge being built to the mainland. Can you make any comments? Mm-hmm.